Hello! My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 167 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am once again joined by my co-host Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing great, Joe. How's it going? Pretty good. I heard you have a little bit of a case of the Mondays. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> God. Just so much stuff. Just yeah. it's, almost, it's almost like retribution for enjoying myself this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it always is? Like yeah. you have a good weekend. And then I, I always find when I take like a day off, the day off's great, but then the next day is terrible. Like when I actually go back into work because you know, it's like the day before was so good that you know, it just, it, it's, it's not even, <laughs> there's no, nothing even about any of it. Yeah. It's just one of those days where you just don't really get a breath, you know, like I'm glad that I got like a half hour to shove some food into my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's just been like meetings and, and it's so funny, like in the, you know, in the age of, of pandemic and, and working from home and zoom meetings and conference calls, uh, that stuff fills up your day very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you've got two meetings in a day, like two Zoom meetings, that's already a lot. And if you add like a conference call or something like that on top of that, that's your whole day. Like that's <laughs> that, right. that's it. You know, it, it's it's before you know it, it's like, oh crap, it's the afternoon. You know, I guess those emails will have to wait or whatever. Yeah, we were talking about that with some friends over the weekend, how because everything's at home, we just don't we don't stop turning off our stuff you know we, we just keep going because yeah. there's always something else you could do you know there's not that separation from being in the office and then being home yeah exactly it can be really easy to just instead be like okay i guess i'll answer those emails after dinner <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um how, how about you how's your how's your day been it's been good. It has been very busy, but it's been a very satisfying busy because uh, today is Matt's birthday. Uh, this will come out on Wednesday, so but we're recording on Monday. And uh, he turned 50 this year. And we do big things for big birthdays, but there's no place to go. And Matt <laughs> is a big, a big proponent of traveling on your birthdays. And up until like mid middle of last week we had thought of going to national parks and and you know just trying to social distance the best we could just so that we could do something memorable for his 50th birthday well that that we decided halfway through the week we're like this is just not a good idea so mm. yeah we just with with all the the cases of covid ticking up we're just like let's not do this um so uh, I, I'm like, well, what can I do to make it special? So I decided I was going to make him brunch and just like go all out. And th- the big thing is, is I don't cook. <laughs> I don't cook. I don't bake. <laughs> so this was truly, you know, it's the thought that counts. And I'm like, I'm going to make a lot of stuff so that if half of it comes out edible, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been basically cooking since... Saturday. So like for three days, just was baking and cooking. And, um, and I have to say, I, I dropped two items from the menu and my mother-in-law took two items off my hands. 
but then I made the other six and um, I made macarons, which everybody's like, oh my God, they're so hard and they are not easy. (laughs) No, they're not. But I'm happy because they came out edible. They had feet. (laughs) They, they were, they were actually pretty decent. So I'm like, all right, for a first try, this is not bad. Um, and then the other two huge successes were, um, and I'll, I'll talk about the, the woman that I got these recipes from in my shout outs, but I did a, you know, I brunch. I was like, well, like what kind of brunch type stuff can we do? So I did a pizza scone and it was, it turned out really well. Um, it's like eating a little bit of pizza. It's really good. And so that was a success, but my favorite is the same person who has the recipe for pizza scone has a recipe for a mug cake. And it's basically like you take all the ingredients, you throw it into a coffee mug, you mix it up and you toss it into the microwave. And 45 seconds later, I had a birthday cake. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard of those, but I've never tried one before. And, and I, you know, there's always that little trepidation I've tried, you know, I've tried her scrambled egg recipes. I've tried, you know, a lot of her mug recipes just cause I think it's fun, but I'm like, all right, I'm putting trust in these recipes <laughs> that I'm going to have a birthday cake at the end of this. That's great. And sure enough. And then I gave it to Matt and he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And we shared yeah. it between the four of us. And <laughs> so if you, if you have baking supplies in your house and you need an emergency birthday cake, I have a recipe for you. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that actually sounds like a really fun birthday, uh, I guess, like activity is just to like try these different quirky recipes. And I like that you had like the brunch theme going, right? Yeah. And yeah. then just like make them and try them and experiment. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, there were two things that didn't turn out well. Like we had seen on a show, somebody made like a tomato cheesecake. And so I made this sun-dried tomato cheesecake. He liked the flavor. I did not. So it's like a savory um, cheesecake? Yeah, it's like a savory cheesecake. Yeah, that always trips me out. It was, it, it was, I didn't think it was good. He said it was okay. It just needed to be a smaller portion because it was really heavy. Um, and then the other thing that and I was disappointed about this one because all of her, same recipe, same woman who has the, the mug recipes, she had a frozen yogurt recipe and I made it like three days ago. And when I tried to take it out today, it was like a brick and I'm like, well, this is not smooth and creepy. So <laughs> I, I am, I am disappointed. Yeah. Um, but those are the only things that failed and, um, yeah. And Part of the part of the gift was it was like all right I'm buying us all these tools that we don't have to cook and bake and that's part of your gift but I'm using your gift to, to make you your brunch. <laughs> that's pretty great. I'm gonna now I want to do something like that for that's a good like quarantine birthday activity. You know. Yeah, yeah. And his parents came over and um, you know she had made. Um, I'd asked her to do. She does this really good. Um, cantaloupe and uh um prosciutto salad so good and then she made deviled eggs because that's one of his favorite things so that's what she brought nice i love deviled eggs too yeah <laughs> that's one of yeah, my favorite so was, things so now we have we have food for the rest of the week right because <laughs> <laughs> none of this none of this was like a single portion type of thing except for the the cake and um <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, it was good. We went through most of the the macarons and uh and and just you know, little little things left over here and there. So is we're there, we're set for the week. Is there anything that now you're like I'm this is going to be folded into the regular rotation of stuff that I want to make? Um well, I definitely want to make the macarons again. Like I know what I did wrong in certain areas and so I can fix it and make them better. Um, I need to find better almond flour because like half my time was spent <laughs> sifting the, the almond flour because it was too big to get through the sieve. Um, so that wasn't wonderful. Um, but I want to try it. W- it was fun because the recipe I found, I I am not one of those people who is like, which is stupid because I can't cook or bake. So I should just do the recipes as they say they are. But I got this recipe for um, sparkling wine and grape macarons. And I was like, well, that's great. And it kind of is very brunchy because of the sparkling wine, but I don't like grape jelly and that's what it's filled with. Oh, so I'm like, well, I'll just make it a peach Bellini. Um, Nice. Yeah. I I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good adjustment, but I couldn't find peach jelly. And so I was like, well, I'll just substitute with Jello. <laughs> and I, and I figured, and I figured I'd use the powder. Like I'm not going to just make Jello and, and knead it into the, the icing, you know? <laughs> so I made, I made the cookies and the cookies were the, the sparkling wine point part. You used sparkling wine extract, which apparently you can get at Michael's, which is kind of nuts. Um, and then I put in the filling, it was just a basic, um, what's it called? Um, just an icing. Mm. But I made this icing three times. The first time I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't dissolve the jello enough. And yeah. so it was it had little crystals and I'm like, yeah. tastes good, but the texture texture is wrong. That's tricky. The, it is. And then the second one, I don't know what I did. Like, oh, I, we were going to try and make it with milk. And as soon as we put the jello in, it curdled. Yeah. <laughs> so then finally we we got it right and it, it was decent. So, <laughs> Well, as someone who loves to cook and loves entertaining and hosting and cooking a lot of crazy stuff for a group of people, this sounds like you did an amazing job and you put a lot of work into it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun. And it was, it was like I – I think what made it not stressful was going into it thinking, all right, I'm going to mess up most of these recipes. Mm. <laughs> so I just need to be okay with it. And it's really, truly going to be the thought that counts. And that's that. And um, it ended up turning up better than I thought it was going to. So that's cool. That's cool. I just did a, um, a social distance picnic this past mm-hmm. weekend. And uh that was that was cool. Like you know, it sounds like we're all getting pretty creative on how we can spend time with people. Yes, <laughs> and um, you know, the first time uh, I hung out with my new friend, it was like, let's go for a walk, and then we were like, well, what are we going to do next? And you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to develop a um, what are people calling them like a social distance pod? You know, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, you know my couple of my closest friends are they're kind of at risk because one of them is still working on a regular basis and has to go into the office and, you know, that sort of thing. And so she's just like, you know, I miss you. I'm sorry, but probably, you know, I would feel horrible if I got you sick or whatever. So, 
Um, so I'm thinking like, okay, who can I, like, who am I going to be best friends with now? <laughs> like, who can I hang out with? And so we're trying to figure out like, you know, what are safe things that we can do and spend time together? And I think at a certain point, it's also kind of like, oh, okay, you're being safe. I'm being safe. We can actually like, you know, take off our face masks around each other. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. once, once we establish that sort of that, you know, we're, we're all being careful and we're not at risk. And so, you know, you're, you're a designated safe person for me to be around. Um, and so, yeah, the first hangout was like a walk at a park. That was really nice. Actually just getting outside. I just have to, re- I have to remind myself, dude, I'm sure other geeks have this problem as well. I, I, that there is an outside. Oh my God. Dude. <laughs> that it I, exists out there. Yes, man. I, I so easily default into like, what all can I do in this room? Because there's a lot that I can do in this room. Right. <laughs> there's so much. And I forget that it actually is better for me to sometimes venture out. And it's like, you know, we're living organisms that need sunlight in like fresh air, as fresh as you can get it in Southern California. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. that actually is good for us. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, funny because Matt, Matt calls me an indoor cat and I completely <laughs> am because I like, especially now, be, right now it is 109 degrees outside. And for me, I walk out and I'm like, no, there's reasons. There's, there's, this is awful. (laughs) This is uncomfortable. There are bugs. I don't need to be here. Oh God, the bugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I have been chewed up the last month or so just with mosquitoes. And I I was like, at first I was like, do my cats have fleas? God, I hope it's not bed bugs. Like what? And then, you know, very quickly just asking some people you know that live in the same area as me like hey if you yes the mosquitoes are everywhere like it's a problem like i guess orange county right now like has like an actual like some kind of outbreak or something like it's a real serious problem and some because everything else going on isn't right enough now we have to have a swarm of mosquitoes (laughs) right so like of course i'm doing all this research and going like that's another thing because we have all this time indoors, I'm learning a lot about stuff that really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> just learning way more than I need to. Like, you know, in the end, I'll just go ahead and order the the citronella candle and the and the spray. But now I know like all the different plant-based like bug repellents that are out there. And I've read all the reviews and like I've read that, you know, um, uh, essential oils smell great and sound great, but they're not as effective and they and they evaporate very quickly. But I still went ahead and got a diffuser for my home. So now I'm going into like, <laughs> that's going to be like, a, my home's going to smell like awesome now going forward all the time because I ordered all these essential oils in this diffuser, but that didn't solve the bug problem. At all. <laughs> so it's like all these tangents that I'm going on. Um, I'm hoping that the plant-based bug repellent that I got works because I miss just hanging out on my balcony. Like I set up my balcony. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Now I can't even sit out there because I just, it's like a feast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you've got, so you're doing essential oil. You have a essential oil diffuser. Well, again, I mean, there's, there's people online that are saying it's, it's great. You know, certain essential oils, you know, repel insects and they don't like this smell or that smell, you know, get, Get uh get yourself some eucalyptus oil or get yourself some you know lemon uh grass or lemon something oil essential lavender essential oil but 
more when you take take the deeper dive and and I actually I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of of close friends that are plant uh biologists so uh-huh. they're like you know the authority and they're just like you know it sounds great but in in all honesty the, the essential oils just they evaporate so quickly that it's not a real deterrent so uh, but would you use them for just you know relaxation and and in your house time just to make your house all good that's what i'm about to do (laughs) all right yeah because because we went we went the incense route and i gotta say they all basically smell the same and so (laughs) i was a little disappointed because i mean i didn't get the highest end because i'm like well i'm not investing a whole lot of money in this until i know that it's what i want to (laughs) do and i burned the first one and i'm like it smells like soap (laughs) <laughs> and then I burned the second one. The first one was like frankincense or something. I'm like, okay, so it should smell like soap. And then the the next one was just herbal mm. and it smelled like soap. And I'm like, okay, this is either crappy incense or I am doing something terribly wrong. I can't do incense because it's too, it, it's, it's just too harsh on my, my sense of smell. So mm-hmm. um, it, it just, Incense has always been one of those things that just like attacks my nostrils. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's so for me, it's so pungent and kind of musty, no matter what floral kind of scent or vanilla scent or whatever. Um, And so I've always just kind of like, you know, I, I may, I clean my, I, I keep my living space very clean, especially considering that I have cats, you know, people come over and they're like, can't even tell you have cats except for the cats walking by. And I'm like, good. That's, that's <laughs> kind of, my mom would be proud. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But as far as like sense and like, you know, like, like having smells in my apartment, I just, I kind of steer clear of that. But what I liked about what I read about a diffuser and mind you, the way I even got to the diffuser page was because I was researching bug repellents. <laughs> right, right, right. But once I was reading about diffusers and the things that they are good for, um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show at all, but over the last year, I've sort of been becoming a plant geek. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I have a lot of plants in my home now. And I was somebody my entire life who just, you know, one of those people that just like kills plants, you know, mm-hmm. like just this is my apartment is death row for plants. Like just bring them <laughs> and they are not long for this world. And um, I, you know, but every time that I would ask myself, like, like, Whenever I was someone's home and I just really enjoyed myself in their home or just felt peaceful, I'd always ask myself, what was it? What was it about their home? What can I do to my house to make it feel like that? And a lot of the time it was plants. Like they just had plant life. And so mm-hmm. I finally decided, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to teach myself. I'm going to go through the growing pains. I'll kill as many house plants as I need to, to figure this out. And I've, I've found some success. Actually, I have a lot of plants in my home now, but the ferns, and again, this is, I'm learning, and a lot of people are kind of telling me this stuff. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll just be like, God, I feel so bad because I keep killing these ferns. And then, like, five people jump into my DMs and they're like, yeah, ferns are finicky as fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're hard. They're <laughs> yeah, hard. Yeah. So, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't feel as bad now. And one of the things that ferns like is a is a humid environment. And my apartment is pretty dry. I mean, I have a lot of sunlight. And diffusers are actually good for that. So I was like, oh, I can like, I've always kind of liked essential oils, especially some of the softer ones. It's, it's, it's a kind of perfume that I can actually like stand. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had partners that kind of switched from their, you know, perfumes to essential oils just for my benefit, you know, because I could then be around them. 
And so, so I'm like, okay, I know that, you know, there's some essential oils that I enjoy. And if you can combine that with creating a more humid environment where I can actually grow some ferns, now we're talking like now, yeah. now I'm interested. Now let, let's, let's try <laughs> this out and see if this works. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. I, I ordered a diffuser um, that came highly recommended online and I, I'm trying, man, essential oils are kind of expensive, but I ordered a couple, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, no, they were, they really are. I, that's why, that's why I went the, the incense round first. Yeah. And what I'm going to do now is I have, I found, um, in that little pocket when it seemed like it was okay to go shopping again, we went to a thrift store because I just wanted to get out. Yeah. And I found this very cool ashtray. That's like a big, um, big slab of marble. <laughs> and, uh, what I did is I'm going to fill it with, top it off with sand. And I have those little discs that you put in, I think it's for hookahs, mm. they're little charcoal discs. Yeah. But apparently if you put the charcoal disc on the sand in the ashtray and light it, you can basically put any kind of herb or essential oil or, you know, anything you want. And it basically acts as a incense burner oh. without being as sharp and strong. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to start, with that and I'm going to find some nice herbs that I like and toss that in and see how that works. So the diffuser that I purchased that again, hasn't arrived yet, but I'm excited. It it's a, a diffuser and a, like a mood lighting Ooh. and a, a Bluetooth speaker. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm like, okay, like this is like an all in one kind of thing. We'll see. I mean, it had good reviews online, uh, but I'm excited because I love mood lighting and, you know, you got the music, you got the, the, the pleasant smells, you know, <laughs> the relaxing smells. So if I, and this is something that I'm planning to, you know, either put in my house a, amongst my plants or, you know, if I want to go out on the balcony just put it in the balcony and hang out. So yeah, I, I'm excited about that. And th I think this all falls under the category that we've kind of been touching on a lot since pandemic started, which is we're all sort of improving our living spaces and, finding ways to make our home space more enjoyable because we're spending so much time here now. Right. Right. Well, and we're geeks. So when we get on something, we like research the hell out of it. And then, <laughs> so true. you know, I, I have to resist like buying all the things to get started. Yeah. I, you know, try and I'm trying to just start slow with some of this and <laughs> it's hard because I want all the things now and then I'll get tired of it in a month and move on to something else that's exciting and shiny. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm planning to jump back on Slack in a major way, especially in anticipation of, of people recommending consoles to me. Um, mm -hmm. But if anyone listening to this has any, like, uh, suggestions or tips on how they've improved their, their geek space, home space, please <laughs> let, let us know. I want to hear how other people have, have sort of, you know, dedicated some, some time to improving their, their living space and making it like more geek friendly and more comfortable. Is there, yeah, definitely. Is, there is there a chair or a pillow that I need in my life? That's super comfy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is there like some, is there an essential oil that is really good? Is there like, you know, have you got a, a, a fountain or something? Is there lighting that you really recommend? Like, I want to hear all this stuff. We need, we need a, a geek home tips show oh, my like god a good episode on just like how to improve your geeky lifestyle <laughs> that would be so awesome it could be almost like a um like a pre-holiday like geek 
shopping guide. <laughs> you know, if, 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 you know, if you don't know what, what comic books or games or whatever to get your geek, here's something to kind of for their home to like improve their experience at home. So what else? Um, well, I guess right now we're 24 minutes in already, 25. <laughs> God damn. We can take a break now and come back and talk about Ozark and the old guard, or we can plow through with that. But I don't know if we'll get to a new podcast game that I just invented called want, not want. <laughs> um, let's, let's do, let's try and do both. Okay. We'll try and do both. We'll go, we'll come back after the break. And we will see what we can get through. Okay, sounds good. All right, we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. And we're back. And... So Ray, you didn't like my my suggestion of um, money heist, which is perfectly fine because not everybody likes the same stuff. But you were all about Ozark. <laughs> it's kind of funny how when you know, you just know. You know, <laughs> I I mean, I'm all for giving something like it's it's a you know a chance to really win me over, especially when it comes you know with with a recommendation that I trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's amazing. What a stark contrast that can be when you put something on and you just know, like <laughs> you just know minutes into the first episode, I was just like this. Yes. Like whatever, whatever it is, whatever storytelling style or voice this is, or I don't know if it's editing choices. I don't know what a tone. Um, just yes. And so uh, I don't know. I, I never was somebody who got into Lost. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that was like a like a thing for a while, and I tried multiple times, and I literally could not make it past like the second episode. Yeah, and finally was just like, okay, I'm just I'm moving on. Um, you had not only did you recommend Money Heist to me, but you also shared an interesting experience you had with Ozark. Oh, it causes me so much anxiety. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't watch too many episodes of that at night because I, I my shoulders hurt afterwards because I'm so tense. And there was a couple episodes where we're in the middle of season three and there were a couple episodes there where it wasn't dire straits. And it was so nice because I could <laughs> relax a little bit. Say where you are again. You're where I am almost exactly halfway through season three. Okay. So you, <laughs> Are you saying that you because I was like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm wasn't crazy about season two. And you were like, oh, we like season two. 
<laughs> it's it's the it's the episode and I won't spoil anything. It's the episode with the horse stables. Oh, wait, is that season three or season two? Yeah, season, season, season three. three. That's yeah. that's okay. So so what <laughs> I feel like it's so obvious. Like there's like where it's it's almost like um exactly how you would react to something <laughs> is is like i'm 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 the reflection i'm like i'm like the mirror opposite of that almost yeah it, it, i didn't have this it's interesting cuz matt loves this show and oh, did, okay. did not like breaking bad i liked breaking bad and it's not that i don't like this show it just causes me anxiety and I didn't have that reaction for Breaking Bad. How would you characterize, without spoilers, what, what, how would you describe Ozark? Um, Ozark is about people trying to get out of a bad situation and nothing ever working out for them. <laughs> like That's, that's yeah. the basic summary that I can give you for Ozark. Yeah. Yeah. Every choice just leads to more complication and danger, right? But they don't, and, and the thing is, is it's not like they make ridiculously horrible choices. Right. No. They're In not. Breaking Bad, you could see you were like, oh, that's just dumb. Why are you doing that? Like <laughs> there was moments where you and that was part of the charm is that you felt like these characters were, you know, they were special. <laughs> and so they they <laughs> They did make bad decisions, and so these were the consequences. And right. with Ozark, it's, it's like there's nothing they can do to fix it. Every time they try and fix it and they do what makes sense, it's not even that it doesn't work. It works, but then somebody else from somewhere has a problem with it and inserts themselves into their drama. Yeah. And it's so stressful. <laughs> so – yeah, you know, I actually compared it to Breaking Bad to to someone that I was recommending it to. I, I'm like, it, it's it's like it does remind me in tone and in feel and just like in the aesthetic of the mm -hmm. show reminds me of Breaking Bad. However, I I mean, I liked Breaking Bad, but I didn't. I wasn't crazy about it. Once I once mm -hmm. once I was like three seasons in, and I was like, I don't know. And then I checked, and I'm like, oh, there's only five seasons. All right, I'll finish it. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But by the last season, I was kind of like ready for it to be over. And I know people mm -hmm. that love Breaking Bad, but but uh, funny to me at the time that Breaking Bad was this sensation. All the people that were obsessed with it and were recommending it to me, none of them were comic book geeks. And, and when I would ask them, what is it about Breaking Bad that you like so much? I, always, it would always come back to the same thing, which is like, it's like the villain is actually the hero. It's like an anti-hero, someone you're not supposed to be rooting for. And I'm thinking like, motherfucker, like... <laughs> we, got, we got Punisher stories going way back, man. Like, you know, like, oh, cool. So television storytelling has kind of caught up to this, you know, like, okay. Right. I mean, even the Sopranos kind of did that, but I think with Breaking Bad, I mean, the show's literally called Breaking Bad, right? So it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, they're these making up, they're making bad choices. These are people that are that are deciding to be bad people in order to solve their problems. And that's kind of the thing. I did get a sense from Breaking Bad, the show, that there was a certain level of safety mm -hmm. 
it was entertaining. Like the, the the scrapes that they would get themselves into were entertaining, but didn't feel quite dangerous. Mm-mm. And with Ozark, that's not the case. No, everything is dangerous. That, and that really squirrel dangerous. over there is dangerous. <laughs> like everything is dangerous. And there's consequences. Yes, there are really big consequences. And <laughs> it's it's I get it 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 does what it's supposed to do because you feel the anxiety that the characters are themselves feeling. Yes. Yes. Because there's not, there is no feeling of safe. It's not like, Oh, they wouldn't do this. Right. Because they could and would, and probably already have done it. Um, like, or they won't go there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. They yes, they will. They will go there. Like, um, actually now that I'm saying that I can, I think I can pinpoint the exact moment in the first episode where I knew that I was hooked. I think it was when, and, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say it was, you know, like you're kind of still get, get getting your bearings in in the first episode. It happens. Everything has starts to happen so fast that you're still figuring out, like, what is who is this show about? Right. And the first five minutes, it's already started. Like it, it, they don't <laughs> wait at all. It, within no, within 10, 15 minutes of the beginning credits, you are in trauma world. Yes, yes. And they establish very quickly that nobody is safe. Yes. Everybody is available to have something bad happen to them. Good luck to you. Yeah, and it's this specific moment in the first episode where you're not expecting a certain shoe to drop, I'll say. And the shoe drops. And when the shoe drops, it, like, drops. And I was like... Oh, I love that they just did that. Like, <laughs> I mean, so happy. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I will. <laughs> once we're done with this, I will say, is it this part? And you will probably say. And I just was so happy. Like, I was so good. It was like, oh, I really don't know where this show's going to go. You know, like, mm-hmm. that makes me so happy. And it's kind of like, honestly, dude, wow. It's kind of like reading a really good graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Like I just remember getting my hands on Preacher or Watchmen when I was a kid and going like, I have no idea how they're going to like end this story. Like, what the hell? And it's that feeling that that some of these shows and movies, that's what it is. It's my first storytelling love of my life is comic books. Right. And And if something can capture that feeling in me, oh, they've got me. I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can't like it's. It's so hard to predict where things are going to go because you don't know what characters are quote unquote safe story wise. And some that you think are like, Oh yeah, there's no way they know. There they go. And, (laughs) (laughs) and because I'm an English teacher and have been for so long, Mm it's very easy to to pick up on foreshadowing and know what's coming up next. I try very hard not to spoil for Matt, but I can watch most shows and go, Oh, I know how this is going to end. Oh, I know that this is going. And it's not that I don't enjoy the journey to get there, but they show the gun in scene one. I know it's going to get used in, in, you know, before the end of the show. So, you know, I can tell what's going to happen because exactly. I kind of, they kind of go in the direction you expect them to go. Yeah. This, 
they do something and you're like, okay, that's done. And then five seconds later, you're like, I didn't even know this was a, this was a factor in this decision. (laughs) And that could be, that could be very left field and people could be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Where did that come from? That's just random, but it's not, it's not, they build on it so gradually that when something happens, you're like, well, well, of course, of course, because they just have the worst luck ever. Of right. course, that would happen. Well, I know it's it's a heightened reality, obviously, that this show is is creating. But what what it seems like to me is it just makes me think, you know, in other stories that deal with crime or deal with this level of violence and you know drama, um, in the in the real world, it's never wrapped up that easily. No. Or that clean. And this show really explored. There's no easy answers. And, you know, when once you get involved in this world, like it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's what I think, like, yeah, like it's not that easy to dispose of a dead body. <laughs> and, and this show, and I think other shows or other movies, you know, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, we make the body disappear and that's it. You know? Um, Kind of reminds me a little bit of like Pulp Fiction, where like mm-hmm. they bring in bring in the wolf, you know, and to, mm-hmm. to, cl- to clean up the mess. And it shows you, you know, one of the cool things about that whole part of that movie is that it shows you what it takes to actually clean this mess up and de- deal with this. And that th- that's this whole series. Like something happens, and you're like, oh, now they just gotta like make sure nobody finds out about that. Well, that's a lot harder. When you really think about it, like, how do we keep this under wraps? How do we hide this? How do we dispose of this? It really shows you the nitty gritty, like the stuff, the messy stuff that other shows gloss over it just so they can move on to the next scene and be like, and then they got rid of that body and you just move on. This show shows you them trying to get rid of the body and how hard that is. And I think that's why Matt likes it, because as soon as something in a show or a movie becomes convenient, it's out. Dude, me too. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I looked up, you know, who created it. Uh, his name's Bill Dubuque or Dubuque, Dubuque. I don't know. I can't pronounce it. But, um, and I wanted to know, like, oh, what is his pedigree? Like, you know, like, I love Mad Men. And then, you know, you come to find out that, you know, Matthew Weiner worked on Sopranos. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. And you look at, like, Breaking Bad. And it's like, oh, that's an X-Files veteran. That makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked up the creator of Ozark. And he's he's never done a television show. He's done a few movies. He um, wrote The Accountant, which is the movie with um, Ben Affleck. Okay. Where, where he's like a, you know, he's like an, an accountant slash uh, like autistic assassin. Um, he, <laughs> do you remember that movie? Like, no, so, I never saw that, oh but God. it'll go on the list because <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Um, he made, he wrote The Judge, which is the Robert Downey Jr. movie uh, in 2014. It's a legal drama uh, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall. Vincent D'Onofrio is also in that and Billy Bob Thornton. And also this movie called A Family Man with Gerard Butler and Willem Dafoe from 2016, like a small movie. Um, so, yeah, but he hasn't done any shows. You know what else I found out that he's worked on, Joe? He wrote a treatment for Nightwing DCEU. Ooh. Yeah, man. <laughs> Watching, I can o- imagine he'd be very, 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 very dark, <laughs> right? <laughs> very dark. But watching Ozark, I loved Nightwing's um, 
um, one of his solo series, the one that was, uh, God, I can't remember who drew it. And who, I think Chuck Dixon wrote it, but I loved it. And like, just thinking about that story and the dude who's making Ozark, I'm like, yes, yes, that is. <laughs> and so it says upcoming. I mean, who knows with the DCEU, right? <laughs> like, but he wrote this script in 2017 and it was, it was bought and like, I guess, greenlit by, by Warner brothers. So it still lists him as the writer of the Nightwing movie. Wow. I know, man. How amazing. That would be so great. I would love that. All right. Well, other than anxiety, I do say I do have to say that my what what keeps me coming back is I love Ruth. Oh yeah, I love Ruth. I think well. Ruth is like one of the best characters ever and the only one that I'm willing to root for in this entire yes. show. Yes. yes. I agree. And and I like especially season three, I like the kids and I like how they, most of the comedy in this series comes from the flippant remarks between the parents and the kids. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's very entertaining because it's very, I mean, we've worked with you. I currently work with teenagers. You have worked with teenagers. Yeah. I think they're very appropriately written. Yes. That's another thing too, right? It's like, you try to keep a secret. How are you going to keep a secret from your family? Right. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to manage when more people know than should? And what you would expect to happen is, you know, in terms of like the, the challenges of that is exactly what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, it would be impossible. Um, I love Ruth. She's, she's a, she's a young uh, girl who's got a lot of grit and mm-hmm. who's extremely street smart. And it's amazing to see her character go toe to toe with some of the, the more, you know, established, formally educated, quote unquote, smart people of the show. And sometimes it's just through pure attitude and gumption, but like she is super tough and stands up to people and stands on her own and, and frequently actually finds solutions for things. Right. I, I I love when she gives it to Marty. Like there's times where she's just like, Well, that sounds like it's your problem. <laughs> Certainly not mine. <laughs> Step back and leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God, season three is so good, man. I really like season one because it was new. Mm-hmm. Season two kind of was like, oh, it was okay. And then season three, they just really step on the gas. And I think you're finding that. Yes. <laughs> That's great. So now it's one of those things where it's like you catch up with the show, that a new show that you like. And now you're like, okay, now I've got to forget about the show for a year until the next season comes out. Well, and you know they're coming out with a fourth and final season, but it's going to be an extended two-part fourth season. Stop. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, that's what they're. That's what the plan is. What? Okay, it's a. Well, first of all, it's the final season, right? And it's it's two. It's split into two. Mm-hmm. Does that mean two shortened seasons? Um, probably just because it's technically one long season, right? Oh man, what the hell? I want to. I want to. Where did you? Where did you find that out? Uh, Matt looked it up because, like oh. I said, he's very excited about this. He actually spoiled himself. He was looking up an actor from the oh, show. Oh no! And I said, well, "You have to tell me when you get to the part that got spoiled for you." He's like, "Yeah, I will." So. <laughs> okay, um, I think I know exactly what you're talking about um, because uh, I looked up the same actor, but. I had more sense than Matt. 
<laughs> well, he said it was the first thing that popped up in that little like Google search box. Oh yeah. yeah. So he just like he couldn't not see it. Yeah. God, that's I'm gonna rewatch this show now again. <laughs> I think you got me so hyped for it. Yeah, I really I really like how everything's handled. There's a couple times where I'm I've been like that's come on. You wouldn't really do that in that situation, right. but it's been really like far and few between that. I've, that I've been able to level that kind of criticism at the show. Yeah. So unexpected, so much fun. Um, well, I think I, I got it about fun, but it is very well written. <laughs> this is how I have fun, Joe. Like this is my <laughs> idea of fun. <laughs> there, there's times where Matt will go. Do you just not want to watch another one tonight? <laughs> And I'm like, no, I want to know what happens. Fine. And there's been times where I'm like, I just can't. I'm sorry. We need to put on some sort of cooking show or something so that I don't have to have bad dreams. Like this is this is intense. Yeah, yeah. God, I love it. Um, so there was another thing I watched on Netflix that I wanted to talk to you about, mm-hmm. and that was a movie called The Old Guard. Yes, it's on our queue, but we have not gotten to it yet. Okay, cool. So I will say this in my research for for this podcast uh, recording, I I looked up the old guard and I had no idea that it is based on an image comic. Nice. Yeah. Written by Greg Rucka and drawn by Leandro Fernandez. Um, And it's it's this is the comic book uh, description. So hopefully uh, I don't think it'll spoil anything about the movie. Um, It says, uh. The story of old soldiers who never die and yet cannot seem to fade away. Um, and so, you know, hence the title, The Old Guard. And if you've watched the trailer or anything, I think I kind of already told you, like, they're, they're, uh, it's not a secret or a spoiler to the movie to say that they are immortal. Right. Yeah. And, no, I mean, that's it's like in the first line of the preview. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it, it's a cool idea. And again, not surprised when I realized that this was a comic based on a comic book. I feel like comic book geeks will know by now that, you know, the cool, one of the amazing things about comic books is that genre storytelling can really be explored and has been explored. I mean, not, you know, from the, from the earliest days, I think really when, if I think about it, I would say it's Chris Claremont writing X-Men who really like broke the whole thing wide open where he was directly pulling from like Tolkien and like, you know, King Arthur legends and like all this other stuff and just like finding a way to weave it into his X-Men stories. Right. And, um, you know, comic book readers just know we're, we're up on this. And one of the things that I, I mentioned to you when I first heard about this movie was how cool it is that, that we're getting big budget, you know, Netflix movies and shows that are, now like just sort of willing to dive into these kind of high concept plots right and stories where it's like okay immortal soldiers go (laughs) and like i think for a long time you know mainstream audiences would be like wait what like what just trying to wrap their head around it like so wait so they don't die like why don't they die like is it like are they vampires or like what what do you mean they're like immortal like and comic book readers are just like okay Go. Let's. let's, let's like, there, there can only be one. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. God, that's why I loved Highlander so much growing up because my dad was like, "Check this out. This is different." And I'm just like, "Why don't they make more movies like this? Like, this is amazing." But uh, yeah. So 
I I wanted to check it out because I it just kept popping up on my timeline. It was it was and that's one of the cool things. If you're on social media as much as I am these days, you know that the moment that something new drops on Netflix, it is people consume it immediately and then there is a conversation hap- a deep dive discussion happening on Twitter or on social media about that property. And so it's really cool. Oftentimes I will just be aware of that conversation before I even check out the thing where I'm like, based on the conversations with them, I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound like my cup of tea. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. And so that's actually what led me to put on the old guard. I didn't notice that it was on Netflix. It was just people on Twitter talking about it. Um, and it was really interesting what they were talking about, which is one of the reasons I, you know, right away thought of you, Joe, and thought like, oh, we should watch this and talk about it. Um, I actually enjoyed it more than i thought i was going to enjoy it mm-hmm. um right away because of the nature of my feed especially on twitter it's very critical it's very um invested in in you know social justice and and and, and that sort of lens and so people come with a critical you know that critical lens and and most things most properties most movies most shows you know if, if your work is is decolonization and and social justice, most things out there are just not really going to hit the mark that you want it to hit. You know, like we can, we've kind of all accepted that at this point. If these are things you care about, if you care about equity, if you care about diversity, you know, obviously it's, it's more and more every day, which is great, but most things are just not gonna, you know, you got to try to find a way to enjoy the MCU knowing that you get black Panther, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, and then, then, you know, and you, and you get the comic relief and Ant-Man, you know, and that, and that's that's about it. You know, like Steve Rogers is Steve Rogers, Thor is Thor, Tony Stark is Tony Stark. So we're kind. Of, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of okay with that, mm-hmm. Joe. I don't know. I you you've spoken a lot to you know some of our listeners, kind of being like, oh, like you guys really like tearing shit down or <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> I guess my from my perspective, you know, you know, in what I'm discussing right now in relation to that, just because I tear something down, it doesn't impede my ability to enjoy it actually like if there's things to enjoy about it i will still fully enjoy those things right when we're, we we analyze we critique we <laughs> and that's part of what makes us excited about these properties right is to kind of dissect them and figure out what it is what what's going on on a deeper level and i do hope that that's a little bit different than you know we're not trying to troll the properties right right I mean, and me maybe a little dc but but other than that we're not trying to troll the, the properties so normally a thing comes out and the reviews are kind of surface level at first right like oh this mm-hmm. is good this is bad you know and then this is why and then from there the next conversation is usually like you know what more deep dive into the characters and like, this is what's good about these characters or this is what we enjoyed about it. And, and then usually the, the social justice lens that I'm talking about is like the third or fourth take where it's like, okay, now we're going to critique it on this level. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the way that I came to learn and read about the old guard movie was the opposite. The first takes that I read were the like deep dive fourth wave, like social justice takes. And those were, oh, great, another, you know, movie that is telling us that it's, you know, it's got representation to offer us, but it's super imperialist, like very like pro USA propaganda. Um, And like one of the tweets that I read, this is from a Twitter user called Venom's Doll. 
And they tweeted, watched Old Guard on Netflix. It was actually very fun and pleasant, but minus 10 points for U.S. imperialism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I got, I I saw another one um, that said, this is from from Color Me Quirky. (laughs) That's great on on Twitter. uh, That said, also just a heads up on Old Guard. You'll need to sit through almost 30 minutes of blatant American imperialist propaganda. It went on so long, I legit thought the whole damn thing was a series. Also, the turmeric filter features quite prominently, (laughs) which I love that, like, color grading that the Matrix popularized, right, in the Wachowskis. Mm -hmm. Um, So these are some of the takes that I first, you know, came to in regards to the old guard. This one was good, too. This one is from WLW Jester Jester on, on Twitter said, the old guard. See? Women can also be imperialist girl bosses, right? Where it's like, you know, they're they're present they're they're giving us representation, but really it's just like this is how diverse we can make the same sort of problematic, you know, like messaging, right? Like, um, and so I thought, oh, that's that's a bummer, but I haven't even heard about this. And then as I started to kind of work my way back the through through the the genesis of the discussions about this this movie it started to talk about like, what was the representation that was being spoken about? And, um, you know, it's, it's got a lot of gay representation in the movie and, and, and very, um, I have to say very, not only say nonchalant, but just kind of matter of fact, mm-hmm. it's not a big thing. It's just like, yeah, this, this character is this moving on kind of like what you, you've kind of spoken to that a little bit, right? Like, I think you brought that up in our last podcast, actually. Um, well, yeah, because I think one of the things I was, and this this is a spoiler for Money Heist. If I mean, it's not a huge spoiler, but if you're going to watch it, and it's a spoiler, so the character of Helsinki in Money Heist is gay, but you don't find out about that until like episode five, six, right? And it's very refreshing because it's just who he is. It's not his whole point in the story. It's not the biggest plot point. He's not being angsty about it. It's just who he is. It's just, it's just a detail in his, in his, um, you know, in his life. And on top of that, he's not the stereotype of gay that everybody puts in their television shows. Right. And their, their movies. He's, He's, you know, this big bearish guy and you don't ever see that on TV unless, unless you're going to make fun of it. You know, a lot of, a lot of times they, they will put in the big bearded gay guy as, as kind of the, the funny because like, Ooh, that couldn't ever be attractive. And so, and so for, for Matt and I, we were like, this is really cool because he is just existing as a gay man in this series. Now, one of the things that Matt had a problem with was that they have no problem giving all the straight people romantic interactions. But, but if he ever has an interaction, it's always very tame or, uh, you know, there's just nobody there for him to have that relationship with. So you just never get to see it. Right, right. And, and with the old guard movie, it is, it is matter of fact, it is not, I mean, it's, you know, there's a couple of, of scenes that sort of um, do center on that, but it's in a, it's in a fun 
kind of new kind of way where it's not um, falling back like on a, on a cliche or on a trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think Charlize Theron, I love watching her. I love all the different types of characters that she plays. One of my favorite Charlize Theron movies is Young Adult, uh, which is uh, amazing. It's, it's written by um, Diablo Cody. It's, uh, I think, directed by uh, one of the Reitmans. I think Ivan Reitman, not Ivan, one of the younger Reitman. Um, and uh, if you liked Charlize in Mad Max Fury Road, you will like the old guard. Nice. She is a, this is a take or a shade of, you know, Furiosa badass Charlize. Um, yeah, the action is amazing. Uh, she will tell Ejiofor is in this. So those of you that really liked him in like uh, Doctor Strange, he's in this. He's really good. Um, it's, it's like really cool action genre storytelling. And the tagline that I loved that I saw on Twitter uh, for this movie was, so are you guys good guys or bad guys? And the responses, <laughs> the responses depends on the century. So they really yeah. do play up the fact that they've been around for a long time and you get these snippets of like them in different eras, you know, as warriors and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. All of that really cool. Um, though the summer is young, the old guard is almost certainly the best action entertainment of the season, says Time magazine. If action, mo- if an action movie can be elegant and thoughtful, this one is. Um, and there's plenty of representation. Um, one of the things that I send you kind of, you know, to, to try to, um, I don't know, like bolster my recommendation was this tweet that I read from, um, oh, I'm trying, I want to make sure I get these Twitter handles right because they're so freaking cool. Uh, this is Per Waldorf <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> said the old guard is such a perfect confluence of fandom catnip. I don't know anything about the comics, but the movie hits so many fandom adores found family, schlocky earnestness, enough world building to be interesting and established romance with lots of room for gap filling. Nice. You can take gap filling how you want. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, this movie, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And it honestly, that's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's actiony enough to like fulfill the, the action movie, um, fans, but it's, it's genre enough to like fulfill the, like the geeky side as well, you know? Uh, and the fight scenes are really awesome. And I love Furiosa. So as much, you know, uh, whatever more I can get of Char- Charlize in that mode, like I want to get. And she has this badass, like battle axe that she is, is like her chosen weapon. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Like the battle axe is like freaking awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I it made a top 10 list of, and, and Matt was just recently looking at what, you know, what we could watch. Cause we're, we're again running out of stuff. And it made the list, so that piqued his interest. Because he doesn't take my recommendations, <laughs> but he'll take the New York Times recommendation. <laughs> How do you feel about, like, one of the things that's interesting to me is, you know, with, with, with all of this, um, God, what do I want to call it? Not, I'm looking for the right word here, um, consciousness around systems of oppression, mm-hmm. right? And I think, I mean, I've been someone who's been pretty outspoken about my dislike of um, not just cops, but just just the whole police apparatus in this country. Yeah, the system. For so long, it's, it's really refreshing to me that um, 
you know, sort of the, the general public consciousness is a, at least aware of this conversation now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and people are questioning, like, wait, are cops automatically good guys? You know, like, and, and I see that, at least I hope we're going to see that filtering through our storytelling. Yeah. Where, you know, it, it, do we really want to, you know, are we really going to go patronize a, a movie? Not go, because we're not going anywhere anymore. But, you know, if, if, if the hero of our movie is a cop, is that necessarily a good thing? Do we want to glamorize that profession and that role when it's so... um you know, that it's so, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Opposite. Problemat- I was going to say problematic. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, to a lot of people's lived experiences and, and interactions with cops, they're not the default hero. So, no. whereas for, I think for a long time in this country, that's been the shorthand of like, mm-hmm. this is a good person. It's not anymore. Right. And one of the, the conversations that I saw happening around the old guard was that. That was the main imperialist critique, you know, was, hey, they're military, you know, that's not a good thing. Like, that's not like, you know, st- if you're trying to tell us that, you know, this is a soldier in the Middle East and they're one of the good ones. It's like, no, like they're find other ways to draw us into their character. Yeah. Right. Find other ways to get us to sympathize or care about this character because that ain't doing it anymore. Yeah. No, I think I, I. Well, there's a lot of change happening right now, but I do think it's going to be very exciting to see that change in our entertainment. And I think it's going to force diversity. I think it's going to force just perspective. And a lot of those questions are going to have to be batted around. And it's the, the, Hollywood is always a little bit behind the, the curve because it's they're actually yeah, they're afraid that they're going to turn off the population if they do something different. Right. But right. I think the more we go into this, the more you're going to see some different stuff. And I think that's awesome because we're tired of the same old stories. I don't want to I don't want to predict what's happening in this episode the first 5 minutes that it happens. Right, right. There's a um I think I listened to a podcast a, a while back talking about how horror movies actually reflect cultural fears. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, there's a reason why we had slasher movies in the 80s, you know, and, and before in the 50s and 60s, when we were scared of the, the Red Scare and, you know, the Soviets and them over there, there's a reason why the the scary movies were all the alien invasion movies and stuff, right? Right. Well, I mean, you look at, you can, you can basically track our fears through George Romero's entire <laughs> population. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's all, it's all social commentary. I've said since time began <laughs> that, right. that good zombie fiction is social commentary. And if it's not social commentary, you're doing it wrong. Right. And when you look at movies now, like the purge <laughs> and like, you know, even the witch, you know, that is like, I thought was a pretty feminist, you know, movie horror movie told from the perspective of, of the main character um, who's playing magic, by the way. Um, you know, you can kind of see what fears that they're reflecting. Um, but I think that applies to all storytelling, like not just just horror movies. And so I'm excited to see like what's God, I feel bad for any. Can you imagine the producers of like the latest cop movie? <laughs> like watch watching like you know like it's in it's in post-production <laughs> and they're watching the riots or the 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 protests and they're watching all this uprising going off. Oh, fuck like <laughs> <laughs> Can we uh, make them uh, 
civil rights attorney with yeah. that. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, gun gun toting powerful civil rights attorney. God. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, it's really cool. And, and, you know, I went into old guard thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to sit through this, like, you know, take on the military being like, you know, yay military. Ugh. And it actually didn't, it didn't really impede. Uh, it wasn't as much as I thought it wasn't as pronounced as I was expecting. And it didn't impede my enjoyment of the movie. I, I actually really enjoyed it. So when you watch it, I'm going to, I want to have a spoiler conversation about it with you. Awesome. Definitely. We'll definitely do that. We'll have an episode. Cool. All right, I like this game, so we're gonna we're gonna trunk. Do you think we can do this game in twenty minutes? Yeah, I think we can do it in twenty minutes. All right, because we don't have to do all of them; we can just pick yeah. one. <laughs> well, this, I do want to touch on each of them, but it can just be like very brief, right? So I just I looked at the articles that uh, we had highlighted to talk about today, some of the list of articles, and I realized that a lot of them were about um, upcoming, you know, movie properties or or, or show. I don't know, media that was being made or created produced. And it just, it, it hit me that like some of them are like, Oh, that sounds really cool. And some of them are like, why? Like literally that was our question, right? Joe, like when we talked about yeah. like why, who, so, so I thought, Oh, this is a perfect opportunity to make up a new game for the podcast on the spot called want, not want. I was also thinking like, Throw, throw it back or like not like I don't know I was thinking like, like do we want to keep this rating or, system <laughs> yeah exactly but um I'm looking at it going like okay which of some of these look like they could be pretty cool and some of them look like why would you want that and so I wanted to start with something positive I wanted to start with you know something that I think we're, we're on board with and that is the news that came out some some time ago by now that Taika Waititi was given his own Star Wars movie project to make which I think is cool. I I love what he does. I think he's so amazing. Yeah, same. It is his storytelling voice is is so fresh and so unexpected. Um, and I think he makes quirky decisions without them being like trite. It it feels right. like. Uh, did you see Jojo Rabbit? Yes. <laughs> did we talk about Jojo Rabbit? I don't think we talked about Jojo Rabbit. Okay. What just real quick? What did you think? I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was definitely strange. <laughs> it was definitely odd, but I think it was interesting to kind of look at a child's perspective of this horrible event. I think yeah. it was very telling because you can kind of pull that forward and see how that relates to how people are raised today. Yes. And and, oh, and what yeah. they're what they're seeing around them. I I have <laughs> so as a teacher, I have had to sit through so many showings of Schindler's List. So many showings. <laughs> so many showings because it's the only it's it's super long and anytime the history teacher wanted to cover it it just helped to have multiple teachers do it. And since I'm the English teacher, we could find a way to kind of cross, cross genre it and it was fine. Yeah. But it's a very depressing time in life. And, and so I tend to still steer very far away from anything that has to, I am not a world war two enthusiast. I'm not somebody who loves the stories that come out of world war two. I think there's some great stories that come out of world war two. I do not need to see 
the kid in the striped pajamas because we know how it's going to end. And I don't want to go through that emotionally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this one was just quirky enough. It it still kind of had all the stuff you had to hit, but I thought it did it in a very fun, ridiculous way. Yeah. I was not interested at all in, in the, in the boy in the striped pajamas. Uh, But if you tell me Taika Waititi is making the boy in the striped pajamas, I'm going to watch that. Oh yeah, because you know? <laughs> be like, I don't know what I'm getting, but it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, and what I what I love about this, uh, so real quick, just for those of you that I mean, we're kind of like just jumping right into the discussion, but uh, it, it's about a little boy in Nazi Germany who has an imaginary friend named Adolf Hitler. So <laughs> there, um, and there's it's about more than that, but that's kind of like the the elevator I think, pitch. I think something that I bounced off of, and I I'm going to spoil from for for people who are like yeah i saw that and i have no interest in watching a boy have adolf hitler as an imaginary friend because i can see where that would feel very offensive yeah it's so not because it's adolf hitler from the point of view of a small um german boy who's just getting and like bombarded by all this propaganda Mm -hmm. and so he has a very skewed vision of who the this person is but it's so ridiculous like he's almost cartoonish and it's not it does not glorify him in any way so if you're worried about that because that was a little something that i was kind of concerned about going into it it's not that at all It, it actually and anything any points you want to be made about the Holocaust is going to be made in that movie. So <laughs> you just have to wait for it. <laughs> and yeah, some people bounced off it, which is understandable. Um, I really liked it. And I liked that his voice is, is intact after Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because that was such a huge blockbuster Marvel movie, you know, and it was so successful and, you never know sort of how, you know, cause, cause he's always made kind of smaller, quirkier movies. I loved hunt for the wilder people. Um, and I've it was seen just, that one. I have to look that one up. That one's really good. I really enjoyed that. And, and it's just, it's nice to see him still be able to, you know, sort of access that sort of storytelling voice after a big movie like Ragnarok. Um, and so it makes me excited to see what he's going to do with star Wars. Um, and this comes after, of course, he he directed the season finale of of The Mandalorian, so he's he's played in that sandbox a little bit, and now he's being given his his own Star Wars project, which is pretty awesome. Um, it's interesting to see who they give Star Wars projects to, and who they end up eventually taking them away from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I think at this point, like the last episode is done. I think brows have been wiped off <laughs> with, with a big hefty sigh. And they're right. like, all right, now we can do whatever the hell we want with this universe because the the big hurdle has been jumped and right. it's done. And if you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. And there you go. We can do whatever we want and it's fine. What about, um, so that's Taika Waititi making a Star Wars movie. What about another Indiana Jones movie, Joe? No, no. <laughs> they lost. They lost their opportunity when they made the Crystal Skull. At that point, it, no. I love. I love the first three Indiana Jones movies. 
I don't need a fourth. I, I didn't need a fourth, and I certainly don't need a fifth. Yeah, they're at five now. And it's like, you know, wasn't part, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I never watched Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's how disinterested I was. I'm like you, I love the first three, but I was so disinterested in, in continuing that character that I was just like, why are we doing, you know, this this fourth movie? Um, but I I seem to remember it being part of this wave of like handoff movies where like I remember yeah. like I think Hawkeye Jeremy Renner was gonna be given the reins of the Mission Impossible movie franchise. Right? And, right. and, and, and Tom Cruise came back. Yeah. Because he was gonna be handed the born identity. Yes. <laughs> and that got taken away from him. We have a whole episode called Poor Jeremy Renner. <laughs> 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 the very beginning. And isn't wasn't this Am I wrong or, or was this um, Shia LaBeouf kind of being like the heir apparent to like Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones? Yes, I think that's what it was. And then there was a while where they were talking about rebooting and doing a different Indiana Jones person. Like young, like young Indiana Jones? But, but not because I feel like young Indiana Jones is his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just kind of, you know. Indiana Jones from from the previous three movies when Harrison Ford was in his prime, you know oh, that, that age, that age Indiana Jones. Got it. Just played by like they they were going to give it the Bond treatment. This oh, is our, okay. this is now our new Indiana Jones, and I was totally on board with that because I'm fine with the. <laughs> this is this is ageist, and I'm, I apologize, but I don't want to watch Harrison Ford in action movies anymore. Yeah, same. I don't want to watch. It. I just don't want to watch it. Yeah, I I mean it it kind of makes the worst possible like <laughs> the the cringe factor to me I, in my mind goes straight to I don't know if you watched The Irishman the 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 Martin Scorsese like 4 hour long like Robert De Niro movie that came no. out um no. you know they used they used CGI to to like de-age Robert De Niro and and Al Pacino and you know <laughs> Pesci, it just after it just doesn't. It's not enough. Like we, technology has not gotten that far. Where well, I mean, it's there's so many talented performers out there. Why are we? Why are we holding on to right to why? Why are we letting actors who are of a certain age come back and play characters that they have aged out of? Yeah, and, and I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be in movies anymore, but give them. You know, find find stories to tell that are yours. Right, right, and like the the, the example that I was using with Robert De Niro is, you know, they can de-age his face, but not that they would be doing that for Harrison Ford. But you can tell in in wide shots where Robert De Niro is meant to be like beating someone up or like making some sort of like uh, aggressive gesture, his his body just doesn't move like that anymore. Like it just, right. and you can tell, and it looks really awkward. And I'm thinking like. Harrison Ford's getting up there in age, like to ask him to perform this like action role. It's just, at what point is it just, you know, uh, um, it's just, irresponsible. We almost yeah. broke him on Star Wars. I didn't want to go there, but yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so true. We almost broke him on Star Wars. Well, they, they quite literally broke him, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it could be a bad yeah. thing. 
Didn't he have like a horrible back injury filming the first Indiana Jones movie? Yeah. And he was actually out of like uh, out of commission for a while. Yeah. No, he's he's gotten roughed up and I think he broke a leg possibly. You know, I think he broke a leg on this one. And I don't okay. know if it was because of the because of Star Wars or if it was because of a plane crash kind of thing. Okay. So I'm I'm going to try to sell you on this before we move on, Joe, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to sell you on this Indiana Jones 5 movie, okay? okay? It's it's being directed by James Mangold. He's taking over. And this is the man that made Logan, and he's taking the same approach. All right, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> yes, success. Well, because you're not giving us you're not giving us Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones from the 80s. You're giving us Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones at that age. And yes. and just what I said, don't tell stories for that for characters you have aged out of, tell your own story. So if there's a if there's a meaningful story about Indiana Jones in the you know twilight years of his life, then yes, by all means, I'd I'd be happy to see that. Now, do I want to see Shia LaBeouf um, <laughs> in it? Right, probably not. <laughs> right, right. But you know, that's that's a when you when you bring on board the dude who made Logan, mm-hmm. it's like oh okay, all right. You know, like that's a little little glimmer of of this could be something there. Uh, depending on what they let them do with it. But yeah, that was, that was for me, the kind of hook where I'm like, Oh God damn it. They got my, (laughs) exactly how I felt. Like, well, (laughs) now I'm interested. Right. So sometimes it just takes like the elevator pitch of a movie to make me interested. Like this next one, which is, uh, Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa are going to be in a vampire buddy cop movie. For me, sold. <laughs> so much going on with this. Like putting Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa and anything together, and yes, I will be there. But we just had an entire conversation about about making cops the stars, and but then you go back and it's about vampire cops. So yes. what? That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's god damn it. You're right. Oh, did you just unsell me on this movie? Damn. Um, yeah, well, I mean, no, if it's, if it's not out yet, they may just be, instead of a buddy cop vampires, they may be buddy civil rights lawyers, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's, uh, they've both signed on for, uh, the project called good, bad and undead. <laughs> That's a horrible title. It's a horrible title. Okay. So if this is not, if this is not a movie that's so bad it's good then they've done it wrong i'm like this should should be on the level of like placid and eight-legged freaks have you seen those movies yes yeah i actually really enjoy like placid (laughs) oh like betty white at her best (laughs) and and but it, it didn't try to not be stupid and the same thing with with eight legged freaks. Like the whole point was, this is ridiculous. We're just having fun. Come along with us. What is? Yeah, yeah. What is your? Um, I want to take your temperature on on vampire movies as a whole. Right at this point, like, are you over it? Can you never have enough vampire movies? Like, what what's your take on it? I'm waiting for it to become a 
purposeful genre right now. Like, because it's not like when zombies hit and then everything was zombies and they weren't good, so we moved on. But but vampires haven't been done. I mean, they've been sprinkled here and there. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of potential for using it again as yeah you have to update not the powers or anything but the stories that you're telling with vampires okay i don't want to just see you know the the vampires seducing a bunch of of women and turning them into vampires and somebody has to stop them because one of the women is their girlfriend like i don't want to see that i don't want to see that story right and um, i mean one of the things i liked and i didn't get through the series because i i just stopped finding the books and I'll have to go back and look at it. But Max Brooks did a whole series about vampires. Ooh, wait, uh, world war Z Max Brooks. Yeah. And, and it has to do with zombies and it's basically a vampire's reaction to a zombie apocalypse because they want it to end as much as the humans do because they're losing their food source and looking at Oh, I think you've told me about this before on the podcast. And that's such a different, and it's it's funny because again, good zombie films are social commentary. They are all the one percent. They're these immortals that have accumulated all this money, and they look at the world falling apart around them, and they're like, "It's just a thing; it'll pass." Right. Right. And I'm like, hmm, where do we hear about that nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah. there's an opportunity for some really interesting stories to come out of that. Yeah. But I, we need to steer away from my girlfriend's going to be turned into a vampire. And so I need to kill a bunch of vampires. I mean, this could still go that way, but they're trying. I think they're they're. I think you're right on the money where they're angling for the so bad it's good. Uh, let me tell you just a little bit more before we move on. Um, Momoa plays a pacifist vampire. Okay. And um, (laughs) Dinklage is a descendant of legendary vampire hunter Van Helsing. Okay. (laughs) And they team up to scam unsuspecting townsfolk out of their money. (laughs) Okay. So, like, maybe, like, Momoa's, like playing up the like scary vampire and Dinklage comes into town and gets all this money to, to get rid of him, you know, but they're actually oh, like yeah, working yeah, together. Yeah. How yeah. funny. <laughs> that I can, uh, yes. Yes. I would like to do this movie. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Um, Game of Thrones uh, alum too. Both of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I always, I always forget that that's the, a big Jason Momoa thing because he got, he was so out. So early. No, um, before exactly. we, instead of going on to these next three, let's save them for the next episode. <laughs> That's great. Just yeah. Because, yeah. Just because I like this. And so we'll just, you know, want or not want, I think it's a good way to wrap. It's a new, it's a new feature of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> as we find our new way post hiatus. I love that idea. Good call. <laughs> All right. Any shout outs? Oh God. You know what? I don't have any shout outs other than, um, and I can't really like name them all, but the people that I interact with regularly on Twitter, uh, you're all awesome. <laughs> and uh, I just, it's so weird where you find community, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just, just on Twitter is where a lot of the conversations that are happening that I want to be a part of. Um, that's just where it's at. So I've been spending a ton of time on Twitter 
Um, and just if you're on Twitter, please hit me up. Find me. We're going to do a thing at the end where you can find out how to find me. So find me on Twitter and, and we'll chat. And then I'm going to be on Slack soon. So shout out to everyone that follows us on Slack and is going to, you know, it, it regularly contributes to those conversations as well. Cool. My shout out is this is not a sponsor of the program. I just think her YouTube channel is amazing and I like what she does. Uh, go to Bigger Boulder Baking. It sounds like this may not be your thing, but I'm telling you her mug cake is amazing and her pizza scones are amazing. And so if all of the other uh, recipes on there are as good as these are, like if you are a, a cooking or baking geek, this is definitely a cool site to go to. And if you're somebody who hates cooking, I'm telling you, she has like dozens of recipes where you just put a bunch of stuff in a mug, mix it and microwave it for a couple seconds and it's done. Very, very fun and cool. So oh my go God. Check out. yeah, <laughs> I am there sure. now. I am subscribed. This is my <laughs> jam. Wow. This looks amazing, Joe. And she's Irish. So it's fun to listen to her too. <laughs> microwave mug meals. Yes. <laughs> Great. Thanks for the shout out. This is a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's that's my recommendation for the week. Cool. So, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music at Ben Sound at by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the Geek to Geek Network. Check out our other Geek to Geek shows and make sure to join our Reddit community at r forward slash Geek to Geek Cast or join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. Uh, people have been talking on the Geektitude slack channel and it's been nice it's been nice to have feedback and there are already some some game console suggestions on there for you oh okay i'm late to the party okay <laughs> that's all right uh you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on apple Podcasts, stitcher google play and most other podcatchers out there please leave us a review and spread the word if you'd like to contact me you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com you can also follow the show on twitter at geektitude or me personally at epic grays ray where can we find you dude mug lasagna mug churros <laughs> come on you, i mean you can find me on this youtube channels where you can find me but uh also also i am at ray vargas three across all social media platforms that's ray vargas and then the number three you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter of course uh and if you want to check out my artwork you can uh, go to rayvargas3.com awesome very cool well this is fun i'm glad we got to do this and uh while you guys are all bunkered down for the week remember this week keep it geek <laughs>